The Arkansas Court of Appeals decided one torts case this week, Garner versus the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, 2021 ARC App 332. The Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed summary judgment against one plaintiff because of an insufficient showing of proximate cause in a tire tread separation case. As to the other plaintiff, there was a notice of appeal from a Rule 54B order, but following that, there was a final order and no timely appeal was filed. Judge Clappenbach explained, Gordon was driving a friend's 2000 Crown Victoria on May 10, 2012. The owner of the car, Jeremy Glass, bought the subject tire, a Goodyear Eagle GA model, two weeks beforehand. The accident occurred at, at approximately 10.20 p.m. when, according to the police report, Gordon suddenly steered the car to avoid hitting a deer that crossed the road. The left rear tire blew during the evasive maneuver and Gordon lost control of the car. The Crown Victoria left the road, hit an embankment, flew into the air, struck a utility pole, and landed upside down. Gordon and Garner both sustained injuries in the accident. On December 1, 2014, Garner filed a complaint against both Goodyear and Gordon, alleging that she suffered serious injuries as a direct result of the Goodyear tire tread separation and Gordon's actions. In particular, she alleged that the tread of the tire separated, detached, and suddenly flew off the tire, causing Gordon to lose control. Garner further alleged that the subject tire was manufactured in 1991, which should have been disclosed to the buyer of the tire and the occupant of the vehicle and the driver of the vehicle at the time of the incident. The tire was too old, she said, and Goodyear should have advised the public to look at the age of the tire and not just the tread depth. Consequently, Garner alleged negligence, strict liability, and breach of warranty claims against Goodyear. According to Garner, Goodyear was liable under these theories because it failed to properly test and inspect the tire, because the inner liner of the tire had various defects, and because the tire did not include a nylon overlay and other safety features that were available when it was manufactured. Garner also claimed that Goodyear failed to discover, repair, and warn the consumer of these defects before the sale of the subject tire. As to Gordon, Garner claimed that he was negligent for failing to maintain control of the vehicle, failing to keep a proper lookout, and failing to inspect the tires before the incident. Both Goodyear and Gordon filed answers denying liability. End of quote. Plaintiff's expert gave opinions the tire design was lacking, but the opinion concluded they were insufficient to survive summary judgment. Quote from the case, Carlson opined that the subject tire was defective in design for lack of aging resistance. He explained that he found bare wire as a result of a breakdown in adhesion of the rubber to metal bonds due to aging, which was the cause of the failure. Carlson further opined that the tire was defective in design because it lacked a nylon overlay which would have prevented or delayed the failure. Carson also observed that Goodyear has no recommendation to remove tires due to chronological age, and every major tire manufacturer except Goodyear has warned against using tires that are 10 or more years of age. Finally, Carlson ruled out other potential causes of the tire's failure, observing that it did not exhibit any damage due to over-deflected operation or pre-accident impact. Carlson elaborated on his opinions in an oral deposition that he gave on August 20, 2018. In his deposition, 
Carlson acknowledged that his inspection of the subject tire had occurred over 21 years after it was manufactured, that the rubber was brittle and deteriorating, and that the tire was just completely rotten on the inside. He also testified, however, that the tire was defective because the carcass of the tire did not last as long as the tread, and three defects adversely affected the aging resistance of the subject tire. End of quote. What did Goodyear do wrong? First, the expert said Goodyear's square marks on the interior of the tire tread was a problem, but he could not say the inner liner was insufficient. Second, he opined the defendant should have warned to take the tire out of service after six years. Third, the expert opined there should have been a nylon layer, but he lacked any evidence it would have prevented this tire separation. Proof was lacking for proximate cause, an essential element in this case, reasoned the appellate court. Quote, Proof that a design defect in the, defect in the tire proximately caused Garner's injury is a prerequisite to recovery on all of her claims alleging strict liability, breach of warranty, and negligence. Under Arkansas law, a supplier of a product is strictly liable for damages if, one, the supplier is engaged in the business of manufacturing, assembling, selling, leasing, or otherwise distributing the product, two, the product is supplied by him or her in a defective condition that rendered it unreasonably dangerous, and three, the defective condition was a proximate cause of the harm to a person or to property. Art Code and Section 16.116.101a. Similarly, to recover for a breach of an implied warranty of merchantability, Garner must prove that 1. She has sustained damages. 2. The tire was not fit for the ordinary purpose for which tires are used. 3. The unfitness of the tire was a proximate cause of the damages. And 4. She was a person whom Goodyear might reasonably expect to use or be affected by the product. Finally, to prevail on her claim of negligence, Garner must prove that Goodyear owed her a duty, that Goodyear breached that duty, and that the breach was the proximate cause of her injuries. End quote. Goodyear's motion for summary judgment struck each of the plaintiff's liability arguments. Quote from the court. On May 18th, Goodyear moved for summary judgment arguing that it was entitled to judgment as a matter of law on all of Garner's and Gordon's claims. The motion alleged that Carlson's testimony did not support their claim that the tire was defective. In particular, Goodyear argued that Carlson conceded that the three identified defects did not, did not make the tire defective at the time it left Goodyear's control and admitted he lacked the necessary evidentiary support to show these conditions were a causative factor in Garner's and Gordon's injuries. Goodyear asserted that courts around the country have repeatedly excluded Carlson's nylon cap ply theory for lack of evidentiary support, and no tire of the same size or speed rating built in 1991 included a nylon cap ply. As for Carlson's theory based on the square marks on the inner liner, Goodyear contended that Carlson conceded the square marks won't make that much of a difference if the inner liner is sufficiently thick but made no effort or attempt to measure the inner liner. Goodyear further asserted that Carlson's deposition established that no tire in the world has ever used an on-product warning for tire service life, and no manufacturer in 1991 recommended replacement of tires after a certain period of time. 
Goodyear also argued that the circuit court should reject Garner's post-sale failure to warn claim, alleged in the amended complaint, because Arkansas does not recognize such a claim. Also, according to Goodyear, any warning would have been futile because Garner and Gordon both admitted in their depositions that they never read the vehicle's owner's manual, the tire placard on the vehicle, or any of the writings on the subject tire. End of quote. As to plaintiffs' expert opinions, they proved insufficient to prevail. Quote from the court. Carlson's report and deposition established that the condition of the subject tire had changed substantially since Goodyear manufactured it in 1991. For starters, the tire's age, 21 years from the date of manufacture, was considerably longer than the six-year service life that Carlson recommended. Carlson's report stated that there were no longer any tread grooves available to measure tread depth and that wear on the shoulders suggests the tire was nearly worn out. Additionally, as recounted above, Carlson also observed that there were two plug-only repairs in the tire and there was a small hole through to the inner liner next to one of them. He also noted that due to aging, the rubber on the tire was deteriorating and brittle and it was just completely rotten on the inside. There is no genuine issue of material fact, moreover, as to whether any of the alleged design defects was a more probable cause of its failure than its advanced age and worn condition. Arkansas does not recognize any post-sale duty to warn. See Campbell v. Duvall, Inc., 620, Federal Reporter 3rd, 887 at 894, 8th Circuit, 2010. Observing that Arkansas has not adopted post-sale theory of liability, And even so, Carlson admitted that he did not know if any service life recommendation would have resulted in a different outcome in this incident. Garner's and Gordon's deposition also established that a warning would have been futile in any event, as both admitted that they did not read the vehicle owner's manual, the tire placard mounted on the vehicle, or any of the writing on the sidewall of the tire. In addition, regarding the square marks, Carlson plainly admitted that he never measured the thickness of the inner liner of the subject tire and therefore could not say whether the square marks that he found there had any role in its failure. End of quote. The Court of Appeals dismissed one of the plaintiff's appeals on a procedural issue. Quote, on September 25th, the court entered a written order granting summary judgment and dismissing with prejudice all of Garner's and Gordon's claims against Goodyear. Garner and Gordon both filed notices of appeal from the order granting summary judgment. Garner's negligence claim against Gordon and Goodyear's cross-claim against Gordon remained outstanding after the circuit court granted the motion for summary judgment. On December 17, 2018, the circuit court entered a written order that dismissed without prejudice Goodyear's cross-claim for contribution. In the same order, the court executed executed a Rule 54B certificate and directed that the judgment should be a final judgment for all purposes. Garner filed a supplemental notice of appeal on January 7, 2019 that designated additional items for inclusion in the appellate record, including the final order entered on December 17, 2018. Gordon did not file any additional notice of appeal. The Circuit Court's September 25, 2018 order was not a final order because Garner's negligence claim against Gordon, as well as Goodyear's cross-claim against Gordon, remained outstanding. Gordon's notice of appeal filed October 29, 2018, even if it was somehow timely, 
therefore had no effect. The circuit court actually did not enter a final order and Rule 54B certificate until December 17, 2018, and according to the record, Gordon did not file any notice of appeal, as he must, from that order. Consequently, even if Gordon had filed a brief or taken any other steps to pursue his appeal, we must dismiss it for lack of jurisdiction. End of quote, end of case.